Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We're in the middle of our series uh, called Close Encounters. Everyone say close. That wasn't ever. Everyone say close. Everyone say encounters. Half of you were maybe not sure if I was going to say, everyone say close encounters, and I split it up, and you were confused, and it just threw you. You didn't know what was going on. We're in the middle of our series, Close Encounters, and this whole series is us looking at going, man, we want to look at people who had close proximity to Jesus in the Bible. We want to look at what that close proximity, one, looked like, but two, how it affected their life, and as a result, how it affected the way they lived. So that's what this series is all about. What does it look like to live close with Jesus on a daily basis? And Pastor Danny kicked us off last weekend and did an incredible job. He was speaking about Peter and he was speaking about the fact that what we can learn from Peter and his closest with Jesus is that Jesus took him from reason into revelation. And the cool thing is no matter where we find ourselves, we can always return back to Jesus and find the revelation again. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't heard that message yet, make sure you jump on our app or our YouTube or any way, our Facebook, whatever way you need to to get a hold of it because it was a powerful, powerful message. And this morning, I had the privilege of sharing with you part two of this series. And we're going to be looking at a, a person in the Bible whose name is Martha. Everyone say Martha. And uh, if you have your Bible, why don't you turn to John chapter 11. We're going to be reading from verse 17 in just a moment. But before we get there, some of you might know this story, story, some of you might not. But this, in John chapter 11, this story is all about a man by the name of Lazarus. All right. And so Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. All right. So three siblings, Lazarus, Mary and Martha. This Mary and Martha were the same Mary and Martha that we read when it comes to, you know that story when Jesus is having dinner and Martha's running around and Mary's at the feet of Jesus worshiping, right? And there's that awkward moment where Martha's like, why isn't Mary doing everything? All the doers said, amen. And Mary was like, why aren't you not doing anything? You know, why aren't you sitting here? And that's the same Mary and Martha that we're talking about, right? So the same people, they have a brother named Lazarus. And Jesus was very close to them. And what we see is that Lazarus, we don't know what he got sick with, but he ended up getting sick. So sick, in fact, that uh, it wasn't just a little cold, but they actually sent a messenger to Jesus to let him know. And what they said in this this message to Jesus is they said these words that Jesus, the one who you love is sick. The one who you love is sick. In other words, this should, the, 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 describe and depict to you how close Jesus was to Lazarus, right? You don't just say, hey, the one who you love to the first person you meet, you know what I'm saying? Like if you do, it's a terrible way to get a girlfriend or boyfriend, all right? Don't do it, does not work. Don't go up to someone and be like, the one whom you love is here. Bad way to do it, right? But what it does tell us is Jesus has history with Lazarus, Mary and Martha, and He has a closeness with them. Right, And so they say, Jesus, the one whom you love, speaking of Lazarus, is sick. Come and help, right? And Jesus, it says this in the Bible. You can go read it for yourself. It says this. It says that Jesus said that He loved them, so He stayed where He was for two days. I'm confused. (laughs) The one who you love, and it says that Jesus loved him, and so He stayed where He was for two days. So the, the messenger walked a day to get to Jesus. Jesus stayed where he was for two days and he had sent the messenger back saying, hey, let them know that this will not end in death. But Jesus stayed where he was. And so we see the messenger goes back and we see that Jesus rocks up on day four to Bethany, which is the town and where they live. 
And on day four, what you need to understand is in Jewish uh, custom and culture, they believed that the soul would hang around a dead body for, for, uh, for three days. And then on the fourth day, it would no longer be there anymore, right? That's what they understood. That's what they believed. And we see Jesus rocks up when Lazarus has already died and it's four days after his death. In other words, there is no hope. There is nothing left that can be done according to what their first beliefs are. And that is where we pick up our story in John 11, verse 17. Are you ready to read the Scripture with me this morning? Awesome. It says this in verse 17, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, He was told that Lazarus had already been dead in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles away uh, down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Jesus got word that, uh, sorry, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet Him, but Mary stayed inside. Why don't you underline that if you have a paper Bible or highlight it if you're using the app. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that you are God and whatever you ask, he will give you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise again when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha said, yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and the one who has come to the world from God. Then what we see is that we see Martha runs back and she grabs Mary, who's back at the house, and she says, hey, we gotta go to Jesus. He wants to see us. And so we pick it up again in verse 34, and it says this, Jesus asked them this, where have you put him? Speaking of Lazarus, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some people said, this man has healed a blind man. Couldn't he have helped keep Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a tomb rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been there dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that the world, sorry, didn't I, I lost my spot there for a second. Then Jesus looked, uh, didn't I tell you that the world, uh, you would see, sorry, God's glory if you believe. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You have always heard me, but I said it out loud so that for the sake of all those standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. A little scripture, a powerful story. But the question I want to ask us this morning is this. What do we do when our situation looks nothing like our expectation? What do we do when the thing that we expected doesn't come to be a reality in our life? And if I would have a subtitle for my message this morning, it would simply be, when reality hits. When reality hits. So Father, we just ask that you would speak to us this morning. I ask that you would step forward and I would step back. And we ask that as a result of your word, Lord God, that we would all reflect you better, that we would all uh, shine more of you in our lives, Lord God. And as a result, that we would see the kingdom of heaven come here to earth as it is in heaven. And everyone said, Amen. amen. I know I'm getting old, right? Everyone's looking at me like, yeah, (laughs) 
But then you look at my hairline, and you're like, oh, maybe, you know. <laughs> I turn around every now and then, and you're like, wow, who added an extra light on stage? No, it's just my head reflecting the lights, all right. I know I'm getting old, right? But you know how else I'm getting old? I'm getting old because I like weirder things. That's what I've noticed, all right? I like weirder things, right? Like, so uh, recently, um, it was incredibly exciting. Myself and Ashari found out that we were pregnant, uh, which is incredible. We got a little bubs on the way, amazing. And I'm so excited. But I started to get excited about really weird things. Like, I am like, where is the best change table and how much is it? Because I need it in my life. I don't even have, we don't even have the bubs yet. And that's still how I'm thinking, right? So I know I'm getting older because I also get excited about weird things like appliances now like vacuum cleaners and all that. But, but more specifically, recently, as in yesterday, I got really excited about a fridge. <laughs> French door fridge, let's go. I got really excited. We've been looking for a new fridge for a while and we found one on Marketplace. Shout out to all the Marketplace hustlers out there. What's up? You know who you are. <laughs> But I, we found this on Marketplace and uh, we found it for a great deal. And I was like, awesome, I'm gonna go pick it up. It's gonna be great. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna get this door, we're gonna have it ready. It's gonna be awesome. It's, I, I planned it all out. I checked the weather, it was gonna be sunny. There wasn't gonna be any rain in the morning until later on in the afternoon. I knew what time we had to be there. I had people coming to help me. And I was like, man, this is gonna take a maximum of one hour. We're gonna be home, we're gonna be done. We can enjoy the rest of our Saturday. My expectation the reality was very different. So here I am on Saturday morning. I get up, I get up early. I'm like, cool, got to go pick up, you know, the trailer from the Move Yourself things, the OTR, which by the way, is a very confusing process. When I talk to the person, they were like, go to see the console. The console was like, take this to the person. The person was like, no, you need to go back to the console. I was, don't know what's going on. But I pick up the trailer, I get that sorted. And then uh, I notice that there's some really dark clouds overhead. And I do not have a top. So I'm like, okay. The dark clouds overhead, but I think we can get this done. We'll be in and out. It might be a little bit of rain. It'll be good though. So I pick up the guys who are helping me. We jump in the car. We go to the place uh, that we're going to pick up the fridge. We've got everything we need to move it. I've got three different options for how to move the fridge. I have a trolley. I've got like wheels that we can chuck it on. We can just wheel it down there. I've got two young men that can just carry it down there if we really get desperate. You know, like I got prepared in every way and we get there and the fridge is out of the, the cavity. And I'm like, that's so good. They've moved the fridge out for us. This is awesome. And, and then he's like, yeah, I moved it out, but I can't get the plumbing undone from the wall. And I was like, what do you mean? And basically this fridge is plumbed in, so you get water through it. Some of you may, may have this at home. And uh, it was plumbed in, and as a result, he didn't have a big, enough, a big enough shifter to actually undo the plumbing from the wall. And so the fridge is out, but it's connected by a hose to the wall still. And then he's like, did you bring a shifter? I didn't know I was meant to bring one, man. I thought I was just moving a fridge. What do you mean did I bring a shifter? This is your, like, you installed it. What do you mean you don't have the tools required? And so what was meant to be a quick 15 minute in, pay them, get the fridge out, turned out to be a 45 minute way of trying to find out if there's anything else we could use to get this undone. Like at one point we picked up a pair of scissors and almost used the handle part to try and like, it was bad. And then he whips out a hammer as if a hammer's gonna do anything. And he's like, maybe if I hit it at the right angle, I'm like, bro, that never ends well. Like, <laughs> and then and we jump in the car. And then we, 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 so we eventually get it out. We're on the trolley. We're going downstairs. We're down the elevator. And uh, then we walk outside and we see that it's pouring with rain in the morning. 
And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. So we load, we, we tape up the bottom and then we're driving back in the pouring rain. What I expected to be an easy trip, it really excited about the fridge, was meant to be like an hour round trip, ended up being like a two and a half hour round trip. I was soaking wet and I didn't even have the plumbing to go into my fridge. But the expectation and the reality of the situation were two very different things. And I think that we can all connect to this at some level. I think every one of us can connect and have an example in our head of when our expectation didn't look like our situation. Maybe you're in business and you had an incredible opportunity that was everything lined up and it seemed like a God moment and you were like, man, we're going after this. And it was a few years ago and you were like, yeah, we're excited. And then COVID hit. And your expectation of what you thought was going to happen all of a sudden didn't look like the situation you found yourself in. Maybe you were one of those people who you thought you had security and in the midst of the COVID and everything that happens, right, what happened is that you ended up losing your job and your expectation didn't look like your situation. Or maybe you've been praying and expecting healing for a long time in your life. And you believe God and you've seen God do it for other people. And so you're like, God, I know you can do it for me. But you find yourself in a place where your expectation doesn't look like your situation. Maybe you're one of those people who thought that you would have broken an addiction by now. And you were expected to have overcome it by now. But you find yourself in a place where the cycle is continuing and your expectation doesn't look like your situation. Maybe you're one of those people who once and has been praying for to be able to start a family and you've been praying for, for it for so long and you're expecting God to move, but your situation doesn't look like your expectation. And what happens when this takes place is that we find that disappointment begins to appear. Disappointment begins to appear because guess what? We all feel that when our expectation and our situation don't look alike. But what I want to talk to you tonight about is this. I think that disappointment can cause you to bury what God wants to bless. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, right? Jesus, come and heal Lazarus. Easy ask for Jesus who had healed the blind man as we read. Jesus stayed where he was and rocked up four days late to the healing. God, where are you? God, Jesus, I expected that those who were close to you, that that we we do life close with you, I expected that when I asked that you would come and, and that we would get a healing and it would be great and everything would be good, but my situation doesn't look like my expectation. And disappointment seeks in. But disappointment can cause us to bury what God is actually wanting to bless. And so I want to look at a few things that we can learn from Martha this morning and what Martha shows us about how to live a life close to Jesus. Does that sound good? how Martha shows us how to live a life close to Jesus. My first way is this, is that what Martha shows us is that when you live close to Jesus, a waiting season is an opportunity to worship. A waiting season is an opportunity to worship. I find it so incredible that Martha's first words to Jesus are still this, Lord. In the midst of her disappointment, in the midst of her asking Jesus to come and Him not coming and Him rocking up late, in the midst of everything seemingly going wrong, Martha's first response to Jesus, her first word to Jesus is still this, Lord. Because Martha understood that waiting seasons were an opportunity of worship. They're not wasted. They're not thrown to the wayside, but an opportunity to make sure we're keeping Jesus on the throne of our lives. 
She said in the midst of her hurt, in the midst of the disappointment, in the midst of the confusion, not the second, not the third, but the first word she says is Lord. She places Jesus back on the throne of her life. She goes, hey, Jesus, I might be in pain. I might be confused. I might be disappointed, but I know that you are still Lord. She worships Jesus in the midst of her disappointment. She places them back on the throne because what we need to understand is that when we place Jesus on the throne, we do that through praise. We do that through worship. And when we do that, it brings perspective in our life. It allows us to see differently. I, uh, I Recently this week, it's been the last couple of weeks actually, I found out that my dad let me know that my granddad in South Africa who, who's had Parkinson's for a long time had a fall this week and it's not looking great. He's got multiple brain, uh, bleeds on his brain and a punctured lung. And so my dad is trying to get over there to, to go and see him. And the thing is, that my granddad uh, doesn't, he's not in a relationship with Jesus, um, anything like that. But I love him to bits and I haven't been able to see him for years. And I just found myself yesterday, I was actually listening to the song, I Speak Jesus. And I just found that like I was getting so nervous and anxious and I was almost frustrated. And then as I sang that, the line came up that says, I speak Jesus over my family. And I decided to pray for my granddad that when my dad rocks up, that there would be an incredible moment, right, where my dad walks in and is able to lead his dad to Jesus. That there's an incredible moment where my dad walks into the hospital room, even though we don't know how it's going to end, even though it's not looking great. But Jesus, in all His power, in all His mighty, might be able to do what only He can do. And I tell you what, I did not have that perspective before I started singing that worship song. But when we worship, we place Jesus on the throne and all of a sudden it brings perspective to what we're going through. It brings perspective. You know, it may not be looking good for my granddad, but this is what I know. I know and I'm gonna be praying for it every single day that he is gonna accept Jesus and I'm gonna see him in eternity one day. Why? Because worship gives me a perspective. I don't ignore the doctor's report. We don't ignore what they're saying, but we don't depend on it for our perspective. Don't depend on the information in front of you for your perspective. Depend on worship for your perspective. Don't ignore it. I'm not saying ignore it. But rather, I'm saying depend on worship to give you your perspective. See, worship isn't just singing. It's actually a way of living. It's not just singing a song. It's a way of how you live your life. Do you seek God? Do you put Him on the throne each and every single day of your life? So my question is, are you waiting Then worship? Are you waiting for a miracle? Then worship. Are you waiting for a breakthrough? Then worship. Are you waiting for that family member to come back? Then worship. Are you waiting for God to show you something, some clarity in the season? Then worship. Because a waiting season is never wasted when you prioritize worship. Not only does Martha show us that a waiting season is an opportunity to worship, but she shows us that when you live close to Jesus, disappointment doesn't have to lead to distance. I find it so fascinating, right? That you, see, you read in that story in John 11, you read, Martha goes out to meet Jesus, but Mary stays in the house. Martha runs out to meet Jesus. She doesn't even let him enter the town. She hears he's coming and she's out the door. She's like, I'm going to go meet Jesus. But Mary keeps herself at a distance. 
And I think that when disappointment sinks in, if we're honest, our, most of our natural responses is not to run to, but to draw away from. Because it hurts being disappointed. It's not fun. No one wakes up in the morning, it's like, okay, cool, disappointed at 10.30. I'm really looking to that appointment. It hurts. It's painful. And so as a result, our response is to try and distance ourselves, right? To try and separate ourselves, to try and draw back. But we see Martha does the exact opposite. Martha doesn't distance herself. She runs to Jesus. And when, what you need to understand is that Martha understood what the power of being close to Jesus was. And so she said, hey, I need to run to Jesus because I need to be around Him. But if I'm completely honest, my response most of the time is probably more the first response of Mary. Staying in the house, waiting for Jesus to come to me. Because I, I, I don't want to engage in that again. I've been hurt. It's painful. And we start to think thoughts maybe along the lines of this. This is how it looks like in our life. Uh, maybe it's a small, you know, we're praying for something, we haven't received breakthrough, and go, maybe God's got bigger issues than he needs to solve. That sounds like a good thing to think, but it's actually not, right? Because you're belittling, belittling yourself and God's relationship with you and saying others are more important and better, right? It's actually not a correct way to think about your relationship with Jesus, right? So you start to think like that a little bit. Or maybe you start to think there's too many obstacles in front of you or you want to disengage. Whenever these thoughts pop up, it's because we're potentially responding more like Mary than we are Martha. And if you find yourself distancing from God, often it starts to look like we start to praying just a little bit less. We start engaging the Bible as much as we used to. We stop lifting our hands in worship. We stop sharing in connect group. We shoot off straight after the service. We don't want anyone to talk to us because we're in too much pain. And if that's you, please know no condemnation. There's just an invitation to not distance yourself from Jesus. You don't have to do the Martha response, but you can uh, you the Mary response, you can do the Martha response. Here's the thing about what Martha does. She runs up to Jesus and then she's brutally honest with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, firstly, she's like, Lord, which is great, worship, awesome. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Whoa, okay. <laughs> But what Martha understood from her closeness is that when you don't distance yourself, the way to make sure you don't distance yourself from Jesus is to be, be brutally honest with him. Do you not think Jesus can handle your honesty? He's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He knows every thought you have, right? In other words, if you've thought it, he knows you've thought it anyway. So just say it to him, and that way you're having a conversation about it. She's brutally honest. She goes, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Question, when was the last time you were honest with God? Like, I mean, like you got before God and you're going, God, this is not fair. This is not right. I'm not talking about being frustrated at Him. I'm talking about having a conversation with Him because you're close and you're being honest with Him. You're like, God, I don't understand. This does not seem fair. This does not seem right. And I don't get it. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you were that honest, you might just find that you wouldn't be distancing yourself from Jesus, but rather drawing yourself close because honesty draws you closer to God and people as well. And so the question is not, cool, are, are, are we just running to Jesus? It's going, cool, what are we doing when we get to Jesus? Are we pretending that it's not there and the issue doesn't exist and we don't really want to look at it or focus on it because of whatever? Are we going, God, I don't understand. 
I don't get it. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. God, if you had just moved, I wouldn't be here. If you had just healed, I wouldn't be here. If you just let me know, I wouldn't be in this mess. And our response is honesty. But Jesus doesn't turn that away. He welcomes it. I love it. Jesus' response isn't to rebuke Martha. Nowhere in after that does he rebuke her for being honest with him. Why? Because Jesus cares about the personal relationship that he has with you. And he understands what you're going through. And he's going, hey, bring it to me. Be honest with me. Because when we're honest with God, and we don't distance ourselves from him, we understand that sometimes our disappointments might just turn into God appointments. But it requires an honesty from us. What else do we learn from Martha? We learn that when you live close to Jesus, your confidence comes from a person and not an outcome. It comes from a person and not an outcome. I love it. But Jesus goes, hey, he's gonna rise again. And, and Martha's response is this. Yeah, I know, I, I know he'll rise like at the end of days. When you come back, Jesus, when you return in all glory, I know when that resurrection happens, I know he's gonna rise. I know when that event happens, he's gonna rise. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not talking about the event. What he says is, I am the resurrection. I am the life. What, we, what can we learn from Martha? It's not to depend on an outcome, it's to depend on a person. We can learn that our confidence doesn't come from an outcome, it comes from the person. That person's name is Jesus. When we hold on to Jesus, right, and not the outcome, we realise that all of a sudden our confidence and strength increase tenfold. Why? Because we can't control the outcome, but we can control who we hold on to. And when we hold on to Jesus, guess who has the outcome in His hand anyways? Jesus. And so as a result, we live far closer with Jesus. We have far greater confidence and we have far greater strength. Why? Because we're holding on to Him. Jesus said that He doesn't do resurrection. He is the resurrection. See, my, my, my thought around this is maybe Jesus wants to do something in you before he do, wants to do something around you. Maybe he wants to do something in you before he does something around you. Because when you live close to Jesus and when you hold on to him and when you understand your confidence comes from him, the resurrection, the life, not an event, but him, the person, all of a sudden you realize that he wants to do far more in you than he does want to do around you. Because when He works in you, you shine a light around you. And as a result, around you, things start to shift and change anyways. Because He cares about you. Question, what are you holding tighter to? The event or the person of Jesus? The outcome or the person of Jesus? See, when we hold on to Jesus, three points real quick. When we hold on to Jesus, He brings redemption to the lost things. He brings redemption to the lost things. If you have something lost in your life, if you have lost hope, if you've lost faith, if you've lost all these things, hey, it's okay because Jesus is the redemption. It's not an event one day waiting. You don't have to get your life in line. You don't have to get all these things right and then move on. No, Jesus is the redemption. And when you hold on to Him, He brings redemption to the lost things. But not only does He bring redemption to the lost things, He also brings restoration to the broken things. If you've got a broken heart, if you've got something broken in your life, the only thing that can heal it is Jesus Christ. 
Because he is, he is the one who restores. He is the one who heals. He is the one. And so instead of holding on to an outcome of a healed heart, hold on to the fact that Jesus is the resurrection, that Jesus is the restorer, that Jesus is the redeemer. Hold on to him, not the outcome. Because when you hold on to him, the outcome falls into place anyways. You've got to hold on to Jesus. So he redeems, he restores, and then he resurrects the dead things. Like we said before, in Jewish culture, they believed that after three days, the soul would disappear. And as a result, there was no hope, no, nothing that anyone could do, no spiritual man, no nothing could do anything to bring that person back to life or anything like that. And I love it because Jesus rocks up and says, I don't care about the rules. <laughs> I don't care about your preconceived ideas of what you think I'm going to do. But when you hold on to me, I'll bring resurrection to dead things. The hope that was lost. The joy that was lost. Things that you think are too far gone. We all have them. Jesus brings resurrections to those things. But not when you hold on to the outcome and the event. But when you hold on to Jesus and you live close with Him. And in the midst of your disappointment, your confidence wouldn't come from an outcome and when is it going to happen, but it would come doing life with Jesus each and every single day, holding on to Him, going, Jesus, I know You are the resurrection. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm holding on to You right now. I'm not holding on to an event. I'm not trying to make You fit in my event and when I think it should happen, but I'm holding on to You. And your confidence comes from the fact that Jesus is the resurrection. Not that an event is waiting for you. See, we all have a Lazarus. A situation that doesn't look like our expectation. What we learn from Martha is that in the midst of the waiting, that gap between our expectation and our situation, when reality hasn't caught up to what we expected, we worship while we wait because it gives us perspective, places Jesus on the throne. We don't let our disappointment distance us from Jesus, but rather we run to Him. We be honest with Him. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And then we transition into making sure our confidence comes from Him and not the outcome of an event. Jesus, I'm holding on to You because You are the resurrection. It's not a one day, it's a today with you. Jesus takes the one day and he brings it to today. We all have a Lazarus. The question this morning is, what is yours? We see Jesus, once Mary and Martha come and he says this, they say, they're talking to him and he says, hey, where have you put him? I love this part of the story. It's part of the scripture, it's beautiful. He goes, where have you put him? Question. Where is your Lazarus? I feel like Jesus is asking this morning, hey, where have you put it? Where have you buried it? And then Jesus says this, he says, hey, take me to him. I love it because it's not there's nothing like, hey, bring the body here. <laughs> That's what I love about Jesus. It's not, hey, bring the body here. 
Jesus says, hey, take me to him. What do I feel like Jesus is saying this morning to us as a church? Hey, take me to your broken heart. Take me to your lost hope. Take me to the moment the cynicism kicked in. Take me to the moment you got hurt. Take me to that promise that has not yet come through. Take me to the breakthrough that is not yet present. Take me to the miracle that is not yet in the motion. Take me to where your disappointment lies. He's not going, hey, bring it. No, he's like, take me to your disappointment. Maybe that thought scares you. Right, you hear that and you're like, yeah, but it's been too long since I've engaged in that thought. It's been too long since I've done that. Hey, I, I don't really want it. It's too painful. It's too hurtful. I want to remind you what Martha says in verse 30, 39 of John 11. She goes this, she says this, she goes, Jesus says, hey, roll the stone away. And Martha goes, no, 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 the smell is going to be too bad. That's so my response to God all the time. God going, hey, roll the stone away, Dan. Take me to it. And I'm like, no, no, but God, it, it, the smell is going to be too bad. It's too hurtful. It's too painful. To hope again means that I might be disappointed again. To believe again means I might get hurt again. To expect again means that the situation might not line up with it again. And I say, it's too much, it hurts too bad. God, I, I, I've moved on, can't I just not deal with it? Come on, it was years ago, can't we just... And God goes, hey, trust me. Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and I am the life? So they roll the stone away. And Jesus, the resurrection, the life incarnate in Himself, calls out Lazarus and we see Him walk out of this tomb. Powerful moment. Powerful moment. Why don't you stand with me this morning? If that thought scares you of taking Jesus to your Lazarus, please don't let it stop you from seeing a miracle happen in your life. With every eye closed, I just want you to take a moment right now just to look at and think about what your Lazarus is. What's your Lazarus? What have you buried that God is actually wanting to bless? What's your Lazarus? Maybe you used to believe for such great things and one time it didn't happen it didn't come through and you got embarrassed and it got hurt and as a result you don't believe anymore that might be your Lazarus maybe your Lazarus is one of your kids who was walking with Jesus but isn't anymore and your heart has been broken for them so many times and you've been praying for them but you haven't seen any movement yet maybe that's your Lazarus Maybe your Lazarus is a healing in your body that you've been praying for, that you've been fasting about, that you've got others to pray for that you haven't seen yet. That might be your Lazarus. 
Maybe it's a hope. Maybe your Lazarus is that you thought you would break that cycle of addiction, but you haven't yet and you've buried it. And as a result, you think you're never going to get past it. That's your Lazarus. What I really feel with eyes closed as you identify what it is, Jesus is just simply saying to you, hey, take me to the tomb. Take me to where you've buried. Take me to where you've buried your hope. Take me to where you've buried the faith. Take me to where you've buried the miracle. Take me to where you do not want anyone else to go. And I feel He says even deeper as we say, but God, it's going to hurt too much. God, I don't know if I want to engage. That seems too scary. That seems like it's going to be too hard. I feel like Jesus is saying this morning, hey, trust me. Trust me. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I believe He's saying, hey, if you would take me to the tomb, if you would roll away the obstacle that sits between that thing and that me, then I am able to bring the power. Then I am able to bring what I am to the situation. And I am the resurrection. I am the life. When you take Jesus to the tomb, life is breathed into it again. He can only heal what you choose to reveal. And He's not scared about what's behind the stone. Because He wants life and life to the full for you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.